goodbye 2020, hello 2021, and more coming up on today's episode of The Lights and Tech News. Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's fastest growing show on tech and gadget news, and it's a new year. That's right, this is the latest in tech news. My name is Taylor Merrick, welcoming you to the show. Haven't talked to you guys in a year. I know, it's been that long. Um, <laughs> just kidding. So, um, making a couple of changes. Uh, first off, I'm back, which is always a good thing. Um, doing the show, getting you guys the latest tech and gadget news. Uh, gaming news will be coming shortly. Uh, give me a little bit longer on that. Um, I also wanted to make another announcement. This video that you're watching right now on YouTube and Facebook will kind of be the last ones you're going to see the official full show of. I will actually be putting it up on our Patreon page uh, for patrons only to view the show in its entirety, and then I'll actually be taking segments of this show and shows going forward, show episodes, and uh, cutting up segments and putting them up on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and maybe TikTok, whatever else. Um, still a work in progress, but uh, yeah, this will be kind of the last official full show video that you'll see in 2021. Um, the rest will be given to patrons only, but if you want more details on that, just head on over to technewsgadget.net. Believe you me, I uh, love sharing value here, but I only want to share what you feel is valuable, and I know for some of you, you don't want to watch the whole entire show. Some of you just want the bits and pieces, and for those of you who want the full show and who tune in for the full show and want to see the video, well, that'll be a patron-only feature going forward uh, after today. However, you can always listen to the full audio show um, over at latestintechnews.com. Now, what are we going to be covering today? Well, all the fun stuff coming up for 2021. We'll be recapping 2020, um, some of the highlights, and then uh, uh, definitely looking forward to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show 2021. All virtual this year, mind you, by the way. Um, I still have a couple of days left. I haven't heard much uh, in regards to interest level from the listeners. If you would like me to attend it live, which I, I'm actually going to, Consumer Electronics Show will actually be virtual this year. Um, and if you are interested in wanting to be the first to know those details from me, I can actually get that for you. You see me being a tech show host, uh, I got credentials. Um, you as the viewer kind of can't because the consumer electronics show is open to the press only. <laughs> so, um, if you're interested in hearing about what all is going to be going on in consumer electronics show, let me know within the next couple of days, I'm going to be making a decision as to, um, whether I'm going to be attending it live. And if I am, that's literally all that week is going to be dedicated to is me attending it live and getting you guys, the new guys, the news, um, as soon as I can kick it out the door. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I always dreamed about wanting to go to the consumer electronics show, the opportunity that's afforded us this year to go virtually. If given a chance, let me know. I'd love to take full advantage of it. Uh, however, um, there's still going to be nothing like attending it in person. So it's going to be kind of like a half bucket list check off, waiting to actually see the full thing. Anyways, I know you guys are here for the show. 
So we'll be covering today tech that died in 2020. Um, and I'll be covering one in, in particular that's um, kind of sad. Um, end of an era, I know, um, but kind of a while coming. Uh, so we'll be um, saying our, our goodbyes. Maybe maybe sad, maybe not so much. Maybe I don't even know what you're talking about. But we'll be covering that. We'll also be taking a look at LG's envisioning futuristic sushi bars with transparent OLEDs. That'll be interesting. I'll also be taking a look at 10 smartphones we're most excited for in 2021. We'll also be taking a look at Amazon's first TV. Yes, first TV is only available in India. So if you're in India, you'll definitely want to listen in to that segment. And finally, we'll be taking a look at quantum teleportation internet was just achieved with 90% accuracy over 27 miles. And now I know what you're going to say. Well, that uh, uh, that's a little bit too scientific. Not really. Not really. It's actually quite impressive technology. Think fiber internet and then 10x that speed. At least. That's what quantum um, teleportation, quantum tech will kind of get you. So kind of kind of scary here, but uh, we'll be definitely getting into that and um, seeing what we can learn so far. Now, with that being said, let's head on over to today's feature story. All right. Let's wait for this to load up. Uh, thank you, screen, for um, changing the scene. Tech that died in 2020. I know um, I, I still have to mention some things that happened in 2020, and, and we'll probably be on the partial bandwagon um, for at least the next couple of weeks or so as we kind of shed the remnants of 2020 and get ready and geared into 2021. A lot of promising stuff down the road, I can guarantee you that. But we're just going to wave goodbye to a couple things. Um, even in a year like 2020, one thing didn't change in the tech world. Certain devices, technologies, and services shut down. Causes vary, as does the level of regret. Some things will miss. Some, some we never really cared about, and some we're glad to show the door. This year, we're dividing departure by how much we think most people will actually care. Um, this is an article by PC World. Link will be in the show notes, um, and uh, they actually have it broken up in a section. Um, first one being tech will actually missed. First one is a Farmville. See, I don't know how many of you know about Farmville, but... Uh, the company announced that as of December 31st, 2020, Farmville would drift off into the sunset with the rest of the Flash-based world. Um, it existed on Facebook, and for a few years, the social network felt more like a vehicle for the game than anything else. Between June and October of 2009, 62 million people signed up to play the game, as reported by the New York Times. At the time, that was close to one-fifth of Facebook's global user base. Farmville was huge back then, not to mention addicting. It had everything. Critics, Lady Gaga tie-in, business scandals, and, uh, and other interesting stories. But with Farmville, you built a farm by growing virtual crops and livestock. Uh, you had freedom to design your farm as you wanted, and the more work you put in, the bigger and better your farm grew. And you could speed up progress with in-game purchases. Um, the addictive part was that Farmville happened in real time, regardless of whether you were tending to your homestead. That led to numerous notifications during the day that your crops were ready to harvest, or... or um, 
what have you. But if you delayed, it was at your own peril and they risked ruining all their hard work. Uh, it was a gaming obsession that we haven't really seen since. For anyone who still misses the digital home on range, there's always Farmville 3. Next up, we got the Google Play Music. Nearly a decade ago, cloud-based music lockers were a big craze from companies like Apple, Amazon, and Google. But when the dust settles, there can only be two or one or three. Well, Google decided that 2020 was as good a time as any to shut down Google Play um, and made December 2020 the final death date for Google Play Music. And, and thank goodness, um, because you have YouTube Music. So really, who cares about Google Play? <laughs> Good thing they uh, kicked that out the door. But I know some of you will miss it. Also, there was the Nintendo 3DS. After nine and a half years and 76 million unit sales, Nintendo finally said goodbye to the Nintendo 3DS in 2020. It came out in 2011, mainly because it provided a glasses-free 3D experience back when the world lost its mind and thought 3D was awesome. And it still is to some point, but in a different way. You see... um. 3DS was for games, of course, but it also let you connect with friends, take pictures, stream videos from a variety of services, record audio, browse the web, and more. Uh, It was a device that continued to hold a fascination of millions for nearly a decade, but this time finally came in September when Nintendo said it would no longer manufacture the 3DS, as reported by the BBC. And also there was Wonderlist. The writing was on the wall in June 2015, once Microsoft acquired the company behind Wonderlist, the popular to-do list app. Wonderlist has been up for deactivation since 2017, but the company finally stopped supporting it in May. <clears throat> and um, next up on the block, we have the You're Still Here category. Um, AT&T DSL um, is still up and running. Yeah. Um, it's been sitting on a chopping block for a while, but it wasn't until 2020 that AT&T took action. In October, the company said it would stop selling new DSL connections. Existing subscribers can still use their DSL, but new users won't be able to get the service. To change is hardest for people in rural areas where AT&T DSL is the only option, but there are better things coming on down the pipe. So um, for those of you who live in rural areas, there's something coming. Um. Might just have to wait a little bit longer. But if you're out in the rural areas, I think for the most part, outside of your smartphone or no signal, you're, you're probably fine anyways. So I I wouldn't know. Um, I kind of live in a city. <laughs> also, Chrome apps. Um, in January, Google announced it would be putting an end to Chrome apps. Not extensions, mind you. Just those standalone web apps that operate in their own windows, like a desktop app rather than in a browser tab. Now, this is the second time we've heard the death now ringing for Chrome apps. They announced it way back in 2016. It would be giving up on it by 2018. That never happened, but this time it seems to be real. By June 2021, Chrome app support on Windows, Mac, and Linux will be ending. Chrome OS will be continuing to run Chrome apps until June of 2022. I think mainly because they're trying to see how to pull the apps out of um, Chrome OS given that it's an operating system and trying to put it within the browser. But we'll see how that sorts itself out. Also, there's the Windows uh, 10 app on Facebook. Um, Yeah, Facebook had an app in the Windows Store. It did, and no, it never really made much sense. When the app came out in 2016, it was meant to target not only PCs, but tablets and Windows phones. You remember that? 
The Facebook app did have some advantages because it could use Windows 10's built-in notifications and support live tiles, but it really never made sense on the PC, so um, they decided to discard it in February of 2020. Um, yeah, there's still some apps kicking around the stores, but unless there's a big change, the platform seems marked for irrelevance. And also, Mixer um, said goodbye. Microsoft's dream of creating a Twitch competitor died on July 22nd, 2020. That's the day that Mixer shut down the Microsoft partnered uh, Mixer and then decided to shove everybody over to Facebook gaming instead. Not really sure on that, but um, Mixer will definitely miss you. Uh, it was a live video game broadcasting service just like Twitch, but um, it, it was acquired by Microsoft in 2016 um, originally known as Beam. By 2017, it was reimagined as Mixer. They decided to pick up Ninja and Shroud. Um, but what they really had going for them was the technology. The technology I knew Microsoft wanted in on, but it just couldn't figure out how to capitalize on it, and I don't think Microsoft knew what to do with it either, so they just gave up on it and let it absorb into um, Microsoft and, and to be used elsewhere. There's also the VR follies. Um, at one point, many expected virtual reality headsets to either conquer the world or go away with 3D TVs and mobile phone VR. Neither outcome really happened. VR keeps on trucking with newer devices like the Oculus Quest 2 that don't require tethering to an expensive gaming PC. Um, still, some VR platforms and devices said goodbye in 2020, including the Oculus Go and Rift S headsets. On the mobile side, Google's Daydream VR platform for mobile phones kind of gave up the ghost. Um, Google said in the fall it would no longer support Daydream VR software and that it wouldn't work properly on Android 11 anyways. And then Steam decided to focus its VR efforts um, on PCs and gave up on the stream VR for Mac as well. And finally, we get to the good riddance part. Um, first off, Adobe Flash Player. So long, farewell. In the 90s, Adobe Flash wasn't just a component you used on the web. It pretty much was the web. I actually learned how to code in Flash. Yeah, that's how long I've been around the internet. Um, <laughs> but Flash was how we played web games. Every major entertainment site used Flash. And let's not forget about all those Flash-powered ads and websites. Flash was fantastic for its time, but it had security issues, power efficiency problems on laptops, among other drawbacks. And it was very very time consuming coding wise um but yeah there's exploits in it uh, about it um it actually held on far longer than anyone expected considering apple co-founder and ceo steve jobs fired the first shot at flash way back in 2010 with his famous open letter its decline officially started in 2017 when adobe said it would kill support for flash by the end of 2020 browser makers have also begun starting to restrict flash eventually blocking it entirely and now the time has come for Flash to fade away. As of December 31st, Adobe ends support for Flash. The company will block content from running in Flash Player beginning January 12th, 2021. And this is good news for the web's progress. Should you feel a pang of nostalgia, the Internet Archive emulates Flash animations, games, and toys in its software collection, letting you play and party like it's 1999, so you always have the Internet Archive to go back to. There's also the Amazon Echo Look. Um, it was a selfie camera that would offer fashion advice based on what you're wearing. It was just kind of weird. Um, so they just kind of gave up on that whole thing. And then 
there was Windows 7. Um, mainly, it was, it's time for it to go. Um, they'll be ending support for, um, Windows 7. Um, in January of 2020, Microsoft said we're basically done supporting it. Uh, you guys kind of have to upgrade or, um, go to Linux. No, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, um, what ended all in 2020. Do you miss any of it? Was any of it a surprise to you? Let me know down in the comments section. Love to interact and talk further there, but, uh, we do have some other stories to get on to, so, uh, let's skedaddle. All right, by the way, uh, for those of you wondering, yes, this show is available as a podcast, so if you're on the go, you can actually get the show notes and everything else you need right in the podcast app of your choice, whether you have Android, iOS, any other kind of smartphone, if it can run a, a, a podcasting app, we're usually right there. Latest in tech news, we'll get that link right over to you, and you can actually read more about the uh episode in the description and actually tap on the links for the articles and it'll open it right there in your smartphone. So moving on, the LG is envisioning futuristic sushi bars with transparent OLEDs, which is I- I- impressive, definitely futuristic. These are transparent screens, guys. What you're looking at image-wise on the screen right now even though CES 2021 will be completely virtual this year, that's not stopping LG from being a little bit extra with its OLED demos. This year, the company is setting up not one, not two, but three flashy demos of its 55-inch transparent OLED display. Of the three, the most timely demo is an elaborate sushi bar setup. The display doubles as a contactless physical barrier between chef and guest, as well as a means of flipping through the menu or watching videos. At the same time, it doesn't totally obscure your view of the chef preparing your meal, which is the coolest thing about eating at a sushi bar. Um, it's kind of appropriate at this current time, um, but for various reasons outside of that, it's definitely cool. The company also plans on demoing how the display can be useful in subway cars, more specifically replacing train car windows with a transparent display so riders can view information like subway maps, weather, and news while also taking in the sights. Cool concept, though probably better suited to areas that have beautiful scenery and not the New York City crusty subway tunnels. LG demoed something similar in Beijing and Shenzhen earlier this year. LG is also creating a smart bed that has its transparent OLED built into a frame that can be placed at the foot of the bed. The idea here is you can push a button and poof, display pops out of the frame to show information or TV contents in various screen ratios. doesn't make quite as much sense, but mainly for those who want to watch TV or a movie um, in bed while also seeing the rest of the bedroom, though, technically the frame is portable, so you could theoretically pick it up, move it to other rooms um, that might be more useful. But yeah. It's also embedding something it calls cinematic sound OLED into the frame itself to eliminate the need for external speakers. What? No way. It's just crazy. (laughs) If anything else, if you guys want to see me taking a look at all this cool stuff at CES 2021, let me know ASAP. Within the next couple of days, I'll be making my decision whether I'll be attending virtually or not. And if I am, you guys get the benefit of getting first dibs on all the juicy tech to come out of the Consumer Electronics Show this year. So do let me know down in the comments. Um, That being said, let's head on over to our next story. 
All right, moving right along. Um, but before I do, you guys know I record this as a video on the side too, right? It's true, and for today only, you can actually watch the show over at youtube.com forward slash technewsgadget or on facebook.com slash technewsgadget. Uh, either way, if you guys want to watch the video. Uh, otherwise, if you like watching the video after the first, actually after this episode, um, all of these videos will be available as a full show um, to patron-only members, and if you want more details on that or to join, head on over to technewsgadget.net for all the details. Now, there are 10 smartphones that we're most excited for in 2021. Foldable, rollables, and more. Well, let's take a look at the top 10 um, coming out this year with any luck. 2021 will be a whole lot better than 2020 was, but at the very least, there are roads of exciting smartphones to look forward to. Um, and I think as we move into the year with 5G slowly rolling out more, becoming better established, uh, gears starting to grind into action, um, more and more will be offered on 5G. It'll be faster, it'll be better, more phones will be on it, and support will be more widespread. But from high-profile handsets like the iPhone 13 to oddities like the LG Rollable, there should be something for everyone. First up, there's the Samsung Galaxy S21 range. Um, probably the most highly anticipated Android phones. Shouldn't have to wait for them long either. It's rumored that the Samsung Galaxy S21 range, the Plus, uh, the 21, and Ultra, should be announced as soon as January 14th. But what do you expect from these three phones? Well, it goes without saying that they'll have cutting-edge power, with rumors suggesting they'll pack either the Snapdragon 888 chipset in the U.S. or the Xenos 2100 in most other places, both of which are likely to be among the year's most powerful. The most exciting upgrade, though, might be the support for the S Pen Stylus on the Ultra, a rumored move that could bring the phone a lot closer to the Galaxy Note range. We're also hearing talk of high-spec cameras, with the Ultra potentially offering a 10x optical zoom. So, there's that. And then there's iPhone 13, um, probably even more highly anticipated than the Samsung Galaxy S21 range, um, but you'll have to wait until September, most likely. There could be some big upgrades for these models in-store, including a higher refresh rate, one terabyte of storage, in-screen fingerprint scanners, and a smaller notch, all rumored. There's also talk of a periscope camera being added, which would allow for an increased optical zoom range. Both the phones being a long way off, uh, not confident of all of it just yet, but what you can be sure of is it'll be powerful, and that Apple will probably offer the same assortment of handsets as iPhone 12, meaning we'll get a 13, a 13 mini, a 13 Pro, and a Pro Max. And then... There's the OnePlus 9 range, likely to land in March or April, offer a slightly cheaper way to get the sort of cutting-edge tech we're expecting to see in phones like the Samsung Galaxy S21. There'll probably be a OnePlus 9, a Pro, and possibly a totally new model dubbed the 9E. As for what to expect, they'll probably be using the top-end Snapdragon 888 chipset, high refresh great screens, with the Pro model likely offering at least 120 hertz. We don't know a huge amount, them, amount about them, but uh, leaks are suggesting the standard OnePlus 9 will have a 48 megapixel main camera, a 48 megapixel ultra-wide camera, and an unknown 
third lens, as well as 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage, and while the OnePlus 9 Pro will probably be the only one of the three to have IP68 certification for water and dust resistance. And moving right along, there's the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3. Likely not to be uh, as mainstream as most of the phones on the list, but could be more exciting than most of them, as foldable phones are probably the future, and uh, it's likely to be the best one yet. Beyond having a big foldable screen, the main Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 rumors so far suggest it might support Samsung's S Pen stylus and have an in-screen camera, possibly even a RGB light strip on its hinge. All rumored, um, but rumored to be believed and launched somewhere around June, um, although it could be in the second half of the year. There's also the LG Rollable, very much a wild card, not least because we're not all sure that the roll even exists, but there is some evidence that it's the developing a phone uh, and that it might be out sometime in 2021. Based on a patent, this might be a device that lets you extend the left and right screen edges, but because it rolls rather than folds and because the mechanism is compactly hidden within the phone, it might look much like a normal smartphone when the screen isn't extended. According to another leak, it might extend from 6.8 inches to 7.4. Um, the only release date rumor for it so far states that it could land in the first half of the year, but we'll just have to see what happens there. Then there's the Apple Find X3 range. Um, they're expecting to have a macro camera, could function a bit like a microscope with 25x zoom and lights around the lens. The phone might additionally have NFC that works on both the front and back of the handset so you could tap the screen against payment terminals rather than the rear. A small feature perhaps, but one we haven't really seen before. Beyond that, um, they're talking about a 3K resolution, high refresh rate, fast charging, loads of camera lenses, and more. They're expecting the Apple Find X3 range to launch early in the year. There's also the Nokia 10. Um, been waiting for it for a while. Originally, it was thought to be launching as a Nokia 9.1, or the 9.2, or the 9.3, but no, they're fairly certain it's the 10. Um, whether 2021 will be the year it lands uh, remains to be seen. Rumors point to an in-screen selfie camera, sapphire glass display, stainless steel frame, and a top-end Snapdragon 888 chipset. This could be a very premium phone. There's also talk of it having a very different camera setup to the Pentalens Nokia 9 per view, uh, though not really sure how that's all going to sort out. And um, could be 2021? Not quite sure. There's also the iPhone SE 3, clearly the most anticipated of Apple's upcoming phones. The company might also launch a successor to the iPhone SE in 2021. Haven't heard much. Um, there's every chance we won't see it until a year later, but if it does launch in 2021, it'll probably have an A14 Bionic chipset, uh, but there's also talk of a SE Plus might just wind up being the iPhone SE3 in all but name. It's thought to have a larger screen, uh, but what's not clear is whether it will keep the physical home button and big bezels, a design that's becoming increasingly dated. Um, we'll just wait and see. Uh, what else is there? There's also the Samsung Galaxy Note 21, the Sony Xperia 1 3, compact, but uh, looks like um, larger screens for both. Uh, 
higher mid-range or higher chipset, um, hopefully better cameras, but we'll wait and see on that. Moving right along, Amazon's first TV will be available only in India. And uh, for those of you who are interested, a current entry-level model costs about 410 US dollars. Now, if you want a first-party Fire TV experience, there are a lot of ways to go about getting one. But as far as a dedicated TV set that comes with Fire OS pre-installed, Amazon has preferred to work with partners through its Fire TV Edition program rather than release its own TVs. That changed this week when the company released two sets under its Amazon Basics brand in India. There are 55-inch and 50-inch models that come in at about $480 and $410 US, respectively. Feature-wise, they're about what you'd expect from TVs in the price bracket. Both come with 4K LED displays to support HDR10 and HLG, as well as Dolby Vision. They also come with an Alexa voice remote and Fire OS 7, though seemingly not the new version of the company's Fire TV interface. According to AFTV News, Amazon plans to release three additional models in the future, including two smaller and more affordable 1080p and 720p models. Despite the Amazon Basics brand name, these likely have similar components and OEMs to other Fire TV models released worldwide. Whether or not Amazon will stick its name on TV sold in the U.S. remains to be seen. So, if you live in India and you're looking for an Amazon TV, this one is probably the best one you're going to get. All right, and wrapping up our final article of the day. I know it was a lot going on. It's also the first of the year, so there's a huge fire hose of information, along with wrapping up the previous year and getting ready for the new year. So I'm just going to leave you with one final article. Something to think about. Quantum teleportation was just achieved with 90% accuracy over a 44-kilometer distance. Interesting. But why is this relevant? Well, I'll tell you why. Scientists are edging closer to making a super secure, super fast quantum internet possible. They've now been able to teleport high fidelity quantum information over a total distance of 44 kilometers or 27 miles. Now, both data, fidelity, and transfer distance are crucial when it comes to building a real working quantum internet, and making progress in either of these areas is cause for celebration for those building our next generation communications network. In this case, the team achieved a greater than 90% fidelity data accuracy level with its quantum information, as well as sending it across extensive fiber optic networks similar to those that form the backbone of our existing internet. We're thrilled with these results, According to their um, top physicist from the Fermilab Particle Physics and Accelerator Laboratory based at Caltech, there, this is a key achievement on the way to building a technology that will redefine how we conduct global communication. Now, I have a sneeze coming on. Don't sneeze on me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sneeze on myself. Here's why it's important. Quantum internet technology uses qubits unmeasured particles that remain suspended in a mix of possible states like spinning dice yet to settle. Qubits that are introduced to one another have their identities entangled in ways that become obvious once they're finally measured. Imagine these entangle qubits as a pair of dice. While each can land on any number, they are both guaranteed to add to seven no matter how far apart they are. Data in one location instantly reflects data 
in another. And here's where it becomes relevant. By clever arrangement of entangling three qubits, it's possible to force the state of one particle to adopt the dice roll of another via their mutually entangled partner. In quantum land, this is as good as turning one particle into another, teleporting its identity across a distance in a blink. And that distance here was 27 miles, and it was 90% accurate. How in the world does it figure out how to do this? <laughs> Gosh. I mean, a quantum internet? This is nuts. The entanglement still needs to be established in the beginning, though, and then maintained as the qubits are th- sent to their eventual destination through optical fibers or satellites. Um, but... The problem is the unstable, delicate nature of quantum information makes it tricky to beam entangled photons over long distances without interference. However, longer optical fibers simply mean more opportunity for noise interference with the entangled states. But it's quite impressive that it's been able to go 27 miles. Um, It's never before been demonstrated to work over such a long distance with such accuracy, and it brings a city-sized quantum network likely the size of Chicago, much closer to reality, even though there are still years of work ahead to make that possible. But, oh, man. Could you imagine? Just you, you snap your fingers and teleport. Not not, not physically, but data literally just goes... Boo-boo. I mean, if you guys want to read the full article, I will have this up on the show notes over at technewsgadget.net. Just look for this episode number um, in the show notes. And click on the link, um, and you guys can read the entire article. It's it's quite impressive. But uh, I wanted to leave you with the kind of the best tidbit of news that I could gather for today to kick 2021 off right. And with that being said, that wraps up this episode of the Latest in Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. The Latest in Tech News can be found on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else podcasts are found. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, double check that you are subscribed so that you don't miss the next episode. I'm your host, Taylor American. Remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keep being awesome, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side.